0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bearded Mystic Podcast and I'm your host Rahul N. Singh. Thank you for joining today and for taking out the time to either watch or listen to this podcast. Today we will continue on with our thoughts on the Bhagavad Gita. But before that, let me just remind you that I do have a Patreon page which you can support this podcast and you can find that in the video description or the show notes below. Let me also just add that I will be doing a monthly Bhagavad Gita Q and A where it will be focused just on questions and answers from Patreon subscribers. And I will let you know of the date in the coming future. Today in the thoughts on the Bhagavad Gita, we will be starting with verses 39 and continuing to verse 43 of chapter two of the Bhagavad Gita. Verse 39. This yoga of discernment that I am sharing with you is called Sankhya O Ojan. Now hear from me how through this buddhi yoga you can be freed from the binding effects of karma generated by action within matter. This verse is telling us about the conclusion of the Sankhya philosophy that's been discussed so far in chapter 2. If you feel like you need to refresh your mind on it, please do take a look from episode 3 to episode 8 specifically, in episode 9, verses 31 to 38, relates more or less to the current circumstances that Arjuna has to face rather than the real knowledge of Brahman. What we do know is that Arjuna has been introduced to Brahman and has been taught all about his true self. He's been taught about the antaryami, the inner dweller within. Krishna really is guiding Arjuna on how to live in the world and yet be above it and not be attached to it Krishna is going to be guiding Arjuna on how to implement this wisdom this vivek discernment to perform action but remain established in Brahman this is the whole purpose of the next couple of verses for example action within matter can be something like devotional worship or rituals the purpose of this in the context of the Bhagavad Gita is that we do rituals or devotional worship so that we are purified within, so that we are ready for the knowledge of Brahman and therefore preparing our way for moksha for mukti, for liberation from the cycle of birth and death. We need to connect this wisdom that we heard in Sankhya and adapt it to our karma because majority of us are householders. We are not... Renunciance, we have not taken sannyas where really our whole pursuit should be on moksha. But because we are householders, we live in the world, we work in the world, we study in the world, everything we do is according to the nature of the world. Therefore, we need to learn how to implement this knowledge, this vivek, to our actions. Through vivek, discernment of knowing what is real, changeless, nameless, and formless, and knowing what is unreal. Changing and of name and form, we can lead a life whilst liberated. If we have this discernment, we are on the path towards moksha In fact, the more we purify in that knowledge that I've just mentioned of the real and the unreal, moksha is at hand. This is the guarantee. Action is within everything. Whether you meditate, read the scriptures, conduct rituals, all this is action. Even renunciation itself is an action. Nobody is truly liberated from action. Everyone does action. But it's all about understanding what is the force behind all action. Only knowledge leads us to Brahman and Moksha, to liberation. But there are two lifestyles. One of action, the householder. And second, renunciation, sannyas. And that is giving up worldly life and completely focusing on spirituality. My personal preference is obviously of the householder. And the reason why I believe that is because, as I mentioned in previous podcast episodes in general, that when we are with our loved ones, when we are with other people, they can tell us whether we really have an ego. When we introspect how we react with them, how we are with them, we can truly understand that The ego is either present or is not present. To get rid of the binding effects of karma generated from action, we know that only wisdom, vivek, can help. Now we'll go on to verse 40. First of all, the results of buddhi yoga practice are never lost. In this or future lives, even a little of this sanatana dharma, action protects one from the dangers of future harmful karmic reactions. Now this is important because people may think that results of all actions are gained, yeah, they continue on, but this is wrong. Remember here Krishna is creating a difference between action that is done in awareness of Brahman and action done in ignorance of Brahman. Krishna is very clear that the results of buddhi yoga practice is never lost. So the merit that you gain from focusing on Brahman, focusing on the Atma, focusing on the inner dweller, and through that inner dweller, you commit to all actions, you conduct all actions, you have Brahman as the focal point of your life, that is never lost. If, say, you do not attain Moksha in this lifetime you will gain merit, that's the true merit. Most likely you will never go to heaven either or to Svoglok because the only way you can get Moksh is on this earth. No other way is possible. Utilising vivek and then acting accordingly, only that result is never lost in any life, this one or the next. The purpose of action is only one, to attain Moksh. But let me just go a little bit back. So a lot of people think that all devotion is never lost or all whatever we do in the service of others is never lost. But I would say it depends on what your focus is on, what you really want from it. If you're serving others to get praise or to feel good or to make someone else's life better, that is still binding you towards action. What you want to do is be able to be at the service of others but to do it with the understanding, there's only Brahman and you are not in charge of the result. You do not care of the result. You're just going to do every action of yours. Basically, what you're going to do is that every action of yours is going to have Brahman as the focal point. It's going to be done in that awareness and with that knowledge that only Brahman is. The purpose of action is only one, to attain Moksha. So everything you do is to attain that liberation. That's everything that you do. All action. If you read the scriptures, if you're in the service of others, you want to attain moksha that's why you're doing it. You're purifying your mind. Nothing else is needed. This action is never lost. We must remember that this must be the reason we do anything and all actions. From the most pious to the most mundane. Yeah. It doesn't matter what action it is. Every action is what I'm considering here. Someone may say that such an act is not good or one act is not uh, pious, but in my opinion, all action is pious depending on what you want from it. If it is to attain moksha, then all is pious. You will notice that when you practice this in your life, you see the immediate response to action as well. For example, if you've been meditating and the next day you meditate again, But the result was that you meditated again. So meditation itself is the result. Who else can focus within on Brahman alone? Someone who did it previously. You automatically see the results. They are spontaneously done. The result of such a person is that continuous act of meditation. Remember meditation is the awareness of Brahman, your true self, the inner dweller. Yeah, that the only thing that is real the changeless, nameless, formless one. These wise actions based on Vivek, based on moksha. this is Sanatana Dharma, nothing else. People believe Dharma is about rituals and we will go into that later. They may argue something that may be pre-Vedic or post-Vedic, but the eternal Dharma, the eternal path of righteousness is only towards moksha. We need to remember that is what Sanatana Dharma is. That is a path of righteousness towards moksha, towards liberation. For example, there are people out there that are defending Hinduism, but that is not merely about speaking up about persecution. One can get lost in that and the focus on moksha is lost. The focus on liberation is dwindled away. This really only has harmful karmic reactions. When we talk about persecution of any religion, What we're doing is separating one religion from the other. That will have consequences. No matter how pious you are, no matter what you may be thinking about defending the oppressed, but actually that will have some sort of effect. We know that that is not established in Brahman. So the question would be, what is the real defense of Hinduism? The real defense is being in Brahman and actually trying to attain moksha. Being the message is more important than defending what is written in the text. Defending what is written in the text and being the text is totally different. There are two different things. And the latter is the one that we need to be on. Yeah, not defending the text, but being the text. Then you are the defense. Then you are defending dharma. But if you think defending dharma is defending what is written in the text or the book itself, or if someone mocks any practice, that is not true defense. Because you do not know what you're defending. And Krishna will go into this later on. This eternal action towards moksha protects us. We are not saved. You know, in other religions they talk about being saved. Here we are not saved, we are protected. And there's a reason for this. Saved means that you're drowning. But this implies that our true self doesn't exist, hence you're drowning. That means that your true self comes into existence at some point. But this is not what we've been learning in the Bhagavad Gita. What we've been learning is that our true self, the Antaryami, the inner dweller, is always here. But our Vivek is protected. Our wisdom of discernment is protected. This is how our Morch protects us. The danger of future karmic reactions creates two things. One is fear. And you will see this in people. And they will also create fear in the other because they have fear themselves. That's the only thing they can provide. Fears are all based on the world. And the second is that the reactions will lead them away from Morksh, away from liberation. We need to keep our focus on Morksh and then we will transcend all fear and be true to Asanatana Dharma. For a person established in Dharma, you will notice that their main message is always Brahman. It's always the ultimate reality, always about pure consciousness. Always about the true self. They will bring you back to this. Yeah, they will bring you back to Vidya, the knowledge of Brahman. Always. They will rarely meddle with matters of the world. And if they do, say they talk about the oppression of others say they talk about how a race of people are being subjected to violence towards harm due to whatever they may believe in towards whatever they may be regardless of their sexuality their gender regardless of all that if they find that they are being oppressed they are being harmed people are being violent against them and violence not just in terms of physical violence but violence in terms of thought if you think that what you write on twitter or say on tiktok or instagram is not violent and yet your words are hinting towards violence it is violence sorry to say but that is the case then they will no matter what they do they will remember that each person is Brahman and that Brahman is all-inclusive. Brahman is not exclusive for a particular religion, particular race, particular sexual orientation, particular gender. No, Brahman is all-inclusive. Until this world becomes all-inclusive, the person that knows Brahman, the one that is in the awareness of Brahman, will always speak up. Verse 41, in this buddhi yoga process, the discerning faculty is constantly held with a one-pointed focus upon the atma, whereas the attention of unfocused persons is many-branched and wanders endlessly upon the temporary pathways of material thought. This is a really interesting verse. As we've established earlier, the discerning faculty Vivek, this is constantly held with a one-pointed focus on the Atma, on Brahman. This is the complete focus. While someone who isn't focused on Brahman, or the formless, the changeless, the nameless one, the Tao, whatever name you want to give it, their mind is everywhere, it's all over the place. And you can witness these people in your very homes most likely. They worry about little things, things that don't really matter. They have no real meaning to life. You focus on those things. They could be worried about clothes or food or gossiping about other people. What to buy in the home. They're constantly consumed by it. One thing is saying you need something or you want something, but to constantly think about it, that is what Krishna is talking about. That person is going to wonder endlessly. They think they're going towards a good goal, but they're not. All they do is they just stay in their head, constantly jumping from one thought to another without a break. Can you imagine what type of mind such a person has? I mean, I'm wondering about it. Why do they worry about these fickle things? What's more interesting for me is the wording that Krishna uses, many branched just shows how wide this network of thoughts really is. At no point does this stop. For example, if you look at a train, a train will stop at each destination. Even if it's just for 20, 30 seconds to let passengers in and passengers leave, it stops. But our thoughts never stop. Why? Because we do not know Brahman. We jump from one thought to another, one desire to another one want to another, one need to another, and there's no pause in between. The one that's focused on Brahman will focus on what is needed first, when one requires to think about it. And then if one wants something, then again, it's after a pause. In fact, we even call this way of thinking, when we jump from one thought to another, we call it a monkey mind. And this is interesting because it shows us we haven't evolved as human beings. If anything, this proves that Darwin was right when he proposed the theory of evolution. It's all because this person does not understand the changeless and the changing. They can't discern between the two. They don't have Vivek about the two. They can't tell what is the real and what is unreal. And I would even say that no matter how devoted someone may look, It's all surface level. You see them attend a spiritual place every week. They go to the Mandir every week. They go to any place of worship every week. They attend the service. They attend the satsang. All that is surface level. If one is still unfocused on Brahman, if one doesn't have that focus on Brahman, then it's all surface level. This may disturb a lot of people actually, because they think they're doing something good. But here we can see that Krishna does not care about those people. He knows that this is not the way to be and he'll go into that later on as well. No matter how devoted that person looks. If they think that this karma will be remembered in this life and future lives, they're living in a fantasy. Krishna is making it very clear that if your thoughts are many-branched And you wander endlessly in the world, looking at one thing to another, one shiny object you see, and that's how you run towards it. And you forget the immense light of Brahman. You cannot say you're devoted. And even your devotion will be temporary pathways of material thought. That's it. Just material emotion. That's all. That's why it's important that we remain focused on the Atma. Now we're going to focus on the person who always has their mind towards Brahman. Whilst the person established in Brahman thinking as much as possible on Brahman, on this ultimate reality, committing all actions in the awareness of Brahman. This person is one of Vivek, one of knowledge, one of wisdom, one of discernment. They are wise and being in their company, that person's company, Not the crowd that are looking devotional, but that person who understands Brahman, that one who is focused on Brahman, that is satsang. And you can check my previous episode where I've discussed satsang. Only the one that is focused on Brahman has that stillness within. Remember, Brahman is the formless. It's that consciousness, which you really are. I want to keep emphasising this because I don't want anyone to leave this podcast without me telling you what you really are. I have to constantly remind myself because this wisdom is so beautiful yet the mind doesn't want to accept it. The mind wants to stay away from it. Uh, This is why I mention it continuously. This is true satsang when we are with that person. This one-pointed, one-centred focus on Brahman is very important. We must work towards it and we have to be progressive in this. We cannot be lazy in this pursuit. And until we get to this point, we are not disciples of Sanatana Dharma. You see, in India, every religion, every spiritual movement has come from Sanatana Dharma. No matter which one you look at, if you look at the beginning, the origin, it's all Sanatana Dharma. So even though one may label themselves as a particular group, but in fact, it's all Sanatana Dharma. I wanted to make that clear. Not if you're following Hinduism, then you believe in Sanatana Dharma or you label yourself a Hindu. Not those that label themselves Hindu are disciples of Sanatana Dharma. Not at all. The issue is that we are identified just on a worldly level. When we say we believe in Sanatana Dharma, it's all worldly. It's the label, it's the identity. To be honest, anyone can put a label on themselves. Anyone can turn around and say, I believe in Hinduism. I'm a Hindu. I'm a Sikh. I'm a Buddhist. Anybody can say that. I belong to Sanatana Dharma. Anyone can say it. That label can be applied to anyone. But to be of the discipline of the Dharma, this requires us to be on the journey to discover the inner dweller, to discover Brahman, the Antaryami, the true self, the one that is in that discipline of Dharma. Their discipline is Moksha, liberation. That is their discipline. That's the pathway. This wisdom shows us that we are already that. Thatthamasi, you are that. Therefore, we do not attain this Vivek. We do not attain wisdom, or discernment. We discover it. Attaining means you gain something because it was missing before. Vivek is never missing. Vivek is always here. Wisdom is always here. It's always available. We make ourselves unavailable to it, but it is available. This is what we must understand. True maturity is having this focus, not because of your age. Only fools believe that age implies maturity. A person who has fully internalized this wisdom of Brahman, Discovered the inner dweller for one second alone is mature. Just for one second they've internalised this wisdom. They are mature. However, someone who has lived 50, 70, 90 years and if all they've done is religious rituals and acts that look religious, acts that look spiritual, they are simply immature. This is the unfortunate truth. This is a very hard pill to swallow, a very hard truth to accept. But if we want to understand what the eternal dharma is, what the eternal path of righteousness is, then this is what we must, must embrace. That we are to only be on the pursuit of Brahman, of Moksha, of liberation. A karma yogi is not one who does service for others or actions for others. No, a karma yogi is someone who performs actions but for one goal, liberation. The karma yogi focuses on seeing all pairs of opposites as the same, meaning likes and dislikes, hot and cold, pain and pleasure. That karma yogi sees all of them as the same. If you remember, this was mentioned in verse 38. We must work on this because our mind is always pulled towards one or the other. Yeah, we are pushed towards one thing or the other. We must train our minds to be content with whatever way life goes. If there's pain, there's pain. If there's pleasure, there's pleasure. But you approach those with the same mindset, that same contentment. That is what is required. That is Vivek, that is wisdom. And keep focus on the target. Remember the target is Brahman. The target is liberation. We must keep our mind focused on this and to conduct all actions and thoughts in that awareness. And we get to that point through Vivek. Through discernment of what is real and unreal. I cannot emphasize this enough. Please take some time to think about this. Then you're living the Bhagavad Gita then you're living the text. This is the true dharma. This is the true defence of dharma. I'm going to do verses 42 and 43 together. Most humans mistake the ultimate purpose of the Vedic knowledge. They become confused by the flowery and poetic language taking symbols and metaphors in a literal way and they conclude that rituals are for material gain and harmony with nature, are the final and ultimate Vedic truth. Verse 43, because their Atma is still distorted by the karmas of unfulfilled material desires on earth, they perform a variety of superficial Vedic rituals, hoping to achieve their wished-for goal of intense pleasures in Svoglok, which is merely a higher material realm. These are very interesting verses and they're best seen together. Even Adi Shankarji refers to them together and other gurus have uh, grouped them together as well. You see, people who belong to the dharma forget the main purpose, which is moksha. They get focused on the poetic language, they get attracted to the flowery language and get amazed by it superficially. And I'm going to go deeper into that later on. They take each word literally, and these people only become fanatics. they become fundamentalists. Why? Because they have no discernment. They have no knowledge of Brahman. They have no experience. How can they understand the Vedic scriptures if they have no experience of Brahman? These people that only believe in the ritualistic portions of the Vedas for them, that is the only truth. They believe that all must be done so that they can live a life with success and power. All based on wealth and influence. All based on our senses. We've been listening to Sankhya yoga So we know now the wisdom. We know that being part of these superficial Vedic rituals, because we want to attain pleasure in the future or in heaven, is all material. They ignore Vedanta. Yeah, these people, they ignore the Upanishads. They ignore the part of the text that talks about Brahman. Even though they believe in future lives, it's because it says so in the Vedas. They have no real experience of understanding they have future lives. They just go by what the text says. They don't question it. They don't inquire into it. Someone may say they have faith, but it's not faith. Faith requires wisdom. That is faith. It's basically held firm by wisdom. They conduct all the rituals prescribed so they can go to heaven. So their ancestors are protected and happy. But can someone established in Brahman believe the ancestors will be protected? No, because of what we learned in verse 40, that everyone will face harmful karmic reactions if they are not focused on Brahman. These people may have knowledge. They have the appearance of knowledge, but yet they do not perceive the real wisdom that promises moksha They're not interested in moksha They have no interest. Their business does not depend on moksha Their business depends that you do the rituals and that the hope will be that somehow you get what you did the ritual for. So if you wanted to become something, if you wanted to have better health, that is achieved this is what is a good selling point for them you see these people are blind to the true purpose they ignore like I said that part of the Vedas that guides us to know our true self to know the Atma to know Brahman their mind is still distorted by the unfilled material desires on earth because they haven't been fulfilled before they are still in that pursuit Even though they know that desires can never be extinguished, but still they're in the pursuit. Again, for them to know that, they have to understand Vedanta. They have to come across Vedanta. Also, when it talks about the Atma, what it's talking about really is the Jiv, And that the Jiv is under the influence of the body-mind. Therefore, it does not know that it is the Atma. The Atma... Is undiscovered. The body-mind is not aware of the Atma. It's not a living reality for the body-mind. Due to this, there is distortion. It distorts reality for us. We start thinking this material world is real only. Adi Shankaraji actually is pretty harsh. He calls such people who do this, who only believe in the ritualistic part of the Vedas, the Gurmagand the part, as fools, Who basically pick and choose what part of the Vedas they want to believe And completely ignore the Vedanta aspect, the knowledge about Brahman He calls those people fools Because for those people in Dharma who only believe in the Karmakanda or the ritualistic portions They want you to really fulfill your desires And subtly their own desires And both people have endless desires So no desire can be completely met. Each one is dependent on the other. Even though one is knowledgeable about the Vedas, they can read Sanskrit. Oh, they have such knowledge. (laughs) In my opinion, learning Sanskrit is secondary compared to learning about Brahman. Learning about Brahman in English or French or German is much better than learning Sanskrit than just being part of the rituals. These people... That believe in the ritualistic portions of the Vedas. They promise you things like you will become kings or presidents in this life or the next life. You will become a doctor, an engineer, a rich entrepreneur. But they are unrealistic. Because you did a certain ritual does not mean you become Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos the next day. These people will promise you such things. And people are carried away by them. They believe them. And they follow such people. These people give the flowery language. This is what Krishna is talking about. That flowery language. You will become this and that. These people keep others in ignorance. Like Krishna says, even heaven is just a higher material gain. Okay, you may not become a king of this world. You will become part of heaven. It's just another material gain. You will have endless joy such promises are made in heaven but it's all material you'll have to come back onto the earth to attain mukti therefore really it's not something to strive for it's not anything special because you're still in the cycle of birth and rebirth it's not moksh. if people say I want to go to heaven or you will see your loved ones in heaven They don't have the correct understanding, especially when we say, until we meet again. Who's we? There's only one Atma. Only one Brahman. How can we meet again with other people that have died? It's not possible. Not for someone who is on the pursuit of liberation. For them, it's not going to be a possibility. Even if the texts say it's true, they will say it's not worth looking at. Because they are more focused on Brahman. You see these people that focus on the rituals, you'll see them on TV, especially on the religious channels. They love convincing others. They'll even put other people up on the stage and tell them to share their experiences, what they've gained, curing cancer getting the best grades, going to Harvard, becoming president, all these things. And they have a missionary zeal to them. Yeah, more people should do this. And they bring people into the fold and promote the idea that they can live better lives if they follow these rituals in the Vedas, if they recite these particular mantras, if they do this particular pilgrimage. However, Do we not ask why these people have not attained heaven right now? Because they obviously came back onto the earth, these people who believe in the ritualistic part. And can they tell you the experience of heaven? Do we not ask them why they are not kings or presidents? Why they take medicine? Why they do not have PhDs? You know what's funny? They will claim to be free from such things. They will claim that. But if they really were, would they be promoting this? They wouldn't. I do not say on this podcast to go and become a king. That if you recite this mantra, this is what you're going to attain. If you do this ritual, this is what you're going to attain. What do I talk about here? I just talk about Brahman. That's the only thing that's important. That's the only thing I know. I don't know anything about rituals or anything like that. And I'm not going to bind you to them either. When people promote such ideas that by doing certain things, certain rituals, you will gain certain things because their minds are now distorted, because now they're confused, they don't know anything about Brahman. They don't know anything about the Atma. They're not interested. They're grounded completely in the world. They're totally in the mess of the world, the chaos of the world. These people are just believers. But let me tell you, they have internal doubts. And they ignore those doubts. They repress those doubts. But what happens is they ignore this repression. Because whenever they see someone else attaining something or they spread the message of what they feel they've attained, they will tell the other person, look, because of me going here, I've now achieved this. Before I had this problem, now this problem is solved. And they will promote it. And they will get a new recruit. This person has been recruited. He will do or she will do the same thing as well. That person will then continue to go to the next person. So it just continues and a group is made. And each person is as deluded as the next. They really are just parrots. And they will only parrot whatever the group says. But Krishna is warning us here. That we are not to entertain such things. It's not allowed for us. Yes, I'm not going to deny. And Krishna does not deny. That these rituals have some value. They do. But now that you've discovered Sankhya yoga, Now that I have read and discovered Sankhya yoga, And listened to it spoke about it, the target for me has to be moksha has to be liberation. It has to be about the discovery of Brahman. Therefore, all my actions should be devoted towards this, all actions. Who cares about rituals that can make you powerful and wealthy in this life or the next, the fact is you're still trapped. What we need to understand is that how do we conduct these actions? in the awareness of Brahman. You see, you can still go to work, go to school, study, do all the things you want to do. Go hiking, go to the nightclub, anything. But if you remember Brahman, if you devote all that action to Brahman and you do not think about the result of what has happened, you just do the action, then you are on the way towards purification. Remember that when I talk about having this awareness, it has to be in the background. For example, if I have to do some analysis at work, I have to be focused on the analysis at work. But for a few seconds where I can have a break, I can remember Brahman. I can focus on Brahman. This is something I can do. And this is something that can be practiced. Now we're going to conclude, but let me just end with this thought with you. That now myself, the one that is speaking on this podcast and you, the listener of this podcast, can no longer be in the pursuit of wealth and power. Our pursuit is to discover the inner dweller, to pursue liberation, to pursue Moksha alone. That is the only thing available to us. However, if power and wealth are the results of our actions, even though our actions are in the awareness of Brahman, or they are based on the Vivek of what is real and unreal, then so be it. Let that be what you attain in the world. There's nothing wrong with power and wealth as long as you are in the awareness of what is real and what is unreal. You see everything as the same. You're powerful one day, amazing. You're powerless the next day, amazing. You're wealthy today, amazing. You're poor tomorrow, amazing. But I do pray that each person Listening to this podcast, even me, the speaker of this podcast, that may we be on this path of awareness. May we discover Brahman. And whatever obstacles are in the way, may our mind be purified in the knowledge of Brahman, in the knowledge of Sankhya Yoga that we've been learning in these podcast episodes. May we also be full of peace. May we be full of prosperity. May no one on this path face any difficulty and may their worldly life be full of success, full of richness, full of wealth so that they can just focus their time on this pursuit, on moksha on liberation. This is my prayer and I sincerely mean it. I really hope each one of us can get there and each one of us supports each other like I mentioned, I want to do a and a on the Bhagavad Gita. I will let you know about the date. This is how we can come together as a community and learn from each other. So do check out my Patreon page. Remember, a new episode is uploaded every Sunday. Do follow my social media accounts. They're in the video description and show notes below. On TikTok, I do lives now and then. So do follow me on there and... Get notified whenever I go live. Sometimes it's impromptu. Please do rate and review the podcast, whether it's on Apple or whether it's on any streaming platform that allows you to give a review, please do so. Do take care, stay safe out there and stay happy. Take care everyone. I'm going to end this episode with these four words because I feel it's important that we understand and feel this. Om Shanti, Shanti, Shanti.